so Michael, should I open up my iPhone and and put it in memo and record as well? Yeah, just if, if you, you don't mind, just, hurt. just in case we have a failure, we don't have to scrap the episode. Usually the failure is on my fault. So. <laughs> oh, dude, Kyle, it, it is yeah. a, it you is haven't a... been around me enough. I can mess well, up the greatest thing ever. Okay, this, I feel like this is a I, suitable like topic a, for tonight. Yeah, it's a po- it's a podcast about multi tracking. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is gotta, just we kind of got to oh get my, this. That is hilarious. The good thing is I'm recording right now, so you know. Yeah, all right. Okay. This is this is your one shot. We're gonna yeah. get it right. So right, well, let's, let's hit this, Michael. Let's hit it. You are listening to the Singleton Noise Podcast on the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network. Singleton Noise is supported by Audix. Check out their new line of Pro Studio headphones, as well as the A131 and A133 large diaphragm studio condenser microphones at audixusa.com. Alan and Heath asked us to read this. If a tree falls in the forest and no one is there to hear it, does it make a sound? No, because the tree was using one of those mics with an on and off switch on it. And those are always off just when you need to hear them the most. Welcome uh, back to the Signal to Noise podcast on Pro Sound Web. We are a member of the Pro Sound Web Podcast Network, uh, along with other excellent podcasts such as Church Sound Podcast, uh, Live Sound Bootcamp. Let's see. Wait, let's say Rhino John. Now. Yeah, what, 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 I'm going to give a special shout out. This is my housekeeping notes for Live Sound Bootcamp podcast. So they okay. just started um, season two, um, and this season is pretty cool. So they're going to they're kind of calling it like a line check or digging into the inputs and they're going to literally start at kick and so the first episode is about kick and they're going to work their way through you know somewhat of a of an input list of a show and talk about how they treat each channel and then maybe after that they're going to go into like buses and and, and stuff like that so yeah definitely check out what if what if it just was kick and snare and it was just the kick and snare show and everyone's been <laughs> yeah. doing it right all along? Right. It could be ca- and, it could be canceled think... after kick, which would which would be like ninety percent of the shows <laughs> out Everybody I... claps after the kick through the PA, anyways. I, actually, that's, that, that's a good question. I know we haven't introduced our guests, but Brad and Greg, have you ever not had kick as channel one? No. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Michael, introduce, introduce our guest. All right, I'm gonna go. We're gonna go with a combined roster tonight. Uh, Brad Maddox has been joined us before on Signal and Noise, um, and if I'm not mistaken, Greg, you've been on Chris's uh, How We Got Loud show. That's right. Uh, is that is that is that released yet, Chris? Oh yeah, is that one out. Yeah, unfortunately, okay. How We Got Loud. I, I did ten episodes earlier this year and been on a hiatus with life things. So yeah, Greg is in the mix of uh, those episodes. All right, so here we go. Combined roster, Black Sabbath, Ozzy Osbourne, Sarah Bareilles, Linkin Park, Florence and the Machine, Rush, Bon Jovi, Creed, Van Halen, Jack White, Rage Against the Machine, Velvet Revolver, Shakira, Weezer, Foo Fighters, Shania Twain, Def Leppard, Marilyn Manson, Jane's Addiction, Kiss, Chicago. I'm going to stop right there because we want to actually do an episode tonight. But uh, I, I'm, I think I'm, that embar- I'm embarrassed because we're, we're such a one-trick pony. I mean, it's such a narrow... <laughs> 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 you know? <laughs> I think we branch so, out. So backstory yeah. on this, uh, our good good friend of the show, Jim Yagabuski, called me up a couple weeks ago, and one of the things we were talking about is sort of the move towards recording everything live. Everybody's multi-tracking now, and, and we were sort of talking about that time when, you know, I remember a time when 
you sort of had to pay the house engineer extra to get like the the two track recording off the RCA jacks on on the desk, and they would charge you ten bucks to get the board tape or whatever. So, and, and I was thinking, this is not something that we have talked about at all on the show. Um, Who oh, better, Brad? No, no. Everything but, okay? Yeah. They are a one trick pony. There was no B listers on that roster. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. That's because you don't list your B listers. You only list your Yeah. So. Uh, so, uh, Brad and Greg have a, a, uh, venture, I'll call it called, called Digital Diablo, which specializes in multi-track recording, uh, concerts. And so I thought they would be sort of the perfect people to talk about recording stuff live. And, and I think we want to, we want to talk about the whole spectrum. We want to talk about the board mix and the live to two, and we want to talk about printing multi-tracks off your desk and and then going all the way through to a dedicated record rig and all that stuff because we haven't we haven't really talked about that at all uh and of course this is you know part of the process for we love to talk about virtual sound check uh but you got to record the show before you can do the virtual sound check so uh so here we go greg and brad thank you for joining us yay thanks, thanks yay. for having us yes thank you so much for having us uh so yeah oh, and uh, brad's back that's yeah. awesome <laughs> <laughs> well, one correction: the, the company is actually called Diablo Digital Inc. It's um, oh, did I say it wrong? I said it backwards. Yeah. It's okay. It's, it's every time you're on the show, I go off memory, Brad, and I screw it up. That's, that's okay. That's both times. You have, at least you have a memory. I'm looking from notes. <laughs> so I, I'm, I saw I'm fully an article. scripted. I have all my jokes. <laughs> yeah, right Kyle's here. got his notes, and he still can't get his get his mic to work. Um, I, I saw an article about what you guys were doing. I think it was in Live Sound International a couple years ago at this point, mm. and sort of talking about. Um, what was the genesis for this to kind of, you know, the, what was the elevator pitch? Like, where, where did the, where did you say, you know what we should do? I see a need for this. Well, I, I think we, we, Greg and I have talked about this. We, we were both doing this sort of, uh, on our own, um, record. I was out with Rush and, and recording multi-tracking Rush and Greg was out with, it was either Ozzy or Black Sabbath. I don't remember. Uh, multi-tracking those shows, and we kind of had lunch one day and realized we'd we'd basically uh, separately come up with exactly the same recording system. <laughs> um, and but we did. A lot, we've had long talks about um, the you know the need to capture, and I'd say that you know we to the degree we have an elevator pitch. It's changed a lot in the last couple years. Uh, because in 2019, if you were skeptical about multi-track recording, you probably had absolutely nothing to release in 2020 or 2021. <laughs> and I mean, we can talk about a number of times where it, something was regrettably not recorded at all. Um, and just the idea, to me, it's that, look, you're going to do a live show. We want to capture it. We know how to do it. And it's important to do because it might be the best show that your band does on the entire tour. Mm. Can I just speak right there? Because I think Brad has hit on a real important part. We could be on tour and do, I don't know, 60 shows, but the recording truck shows up for that show that's probably the worst out of those 60. <laughs> so for me... I came from the recording studio, and I know how many takes I had been doing at the record plant to get a record, okay? When I got on tour, I wanted to record everything. I wanted to turn my front of house into a recording studio. And what Brad said is so important because 
they get the worst the worst track of a live record of all the shows they've done all those special moments they're evaporated in thin air and and so the point for me was the real tipping point for me was when <clears throat> Robert Scoville brought the profile to Claire Glow Claire Brothers at the time and for once I had a machine that I could marry Pro Tools with. And it was once and for all a recording studio on wheels and I never looked back. Neither Brad nor I did. And we kept growing with the technological advance that has happened from 2004 with the profile. So every single console, we don't care what you bring. I learned how to record off an XL4. Mm -hmm. We just don't care, but the, care. The, the reason to record is so big now, it's not even funny. I think the interesting thing there too, like you said, the emphasis, while virtual sound check is a good thing, the, the emphasis is on recording first for posterity, more so than just virtual sound check. Virtual sound check maybe is the second byproduct of it. Exactly, Chris. And remember, I'm a little mini businessman. <laughs> and so I came out of the studio, which basically was broke because I couldn't keep working in the studio. There were so many studio engineers in L.A. at the time. And so I thought, yes, virtual sound check or virtual playback helped me uh, hone my abilities. But I saw an added revenue stream for my abilities with my artists. And once they started hearing all this, they started dragging me back into the studio. So I made a round trip from the studio to the stage and back to the studio. And it just keeps, it just kept going like right. that. And we don't stop. Brad and I have not stopped that process since, since way back then. Yeah. I think it's, it's really crucial to, one of the things about, oh, I say two things. When you multi-track every show, the band never chokes up that, you know, oh my God, we're going to record tonight's show. You just do it, right? Mm -hmm. And archive it. And so, yes, you use you use virtual sound check because it's super helpful. I mean, it, it, you know, it's definitely the, the aspect of that you move, that you are using every day. But a couple things happen. Over the course of that number of shows you're doing, one of them is going to be that, show where everything clicked and you're going to have yep. that and even if that's not the show that they shoot the dvd of you are going to go back to that show and pull stuff mm -hmm. off of it you it happens every tour and it's always the same i had that experience yeah it's and it's always the same show like you keep going back to the same show and wherever you were in kansas city or whatever and pulling <laughs> off this and that and this and that because that was the night the band was really killing it the other thing happens is that you're multi-tracking every show, and I had this experience with Jack White in, in South America. Robert Plant walked on to the stage while Jack White was singing and sang the Lemon Song for the first time in 30 years. We have that wow. on multi-track. And if you weren't hitting record that night, or if you just sort of were on the two-track, you'd have a version of it, but it wasn't the best version you could possibly have of it. This, this is such a powerful note right here, guys. Absorb this. Robert Plant on stage with Jack doing the Lemon Song. He's got that. He's got that in his pocket. I have Eddie Van Halen's 
last eruption from the Hollywood Bowl. Ugh. It doesn't, boy. It, it doesn't get any more powerful than this, guys. So, so sp- speaking, nope. speaking, speaking of having those files, I was very curious. I was thinking, what? Um, how do you guys? And maybe this isn't your ballpark, but do you guys have any ways of? Um, do bands ever get concerned on who has these files and who can walk away with them and encryption and this, that, and the other? Um, <laughs> how, how does? Um, He's got a question, dude. Uh, how, how, wants to be on the show. how does uh, how do, how does that how does that play into this, right? Because I'm sure there has to be a concern, especially on higher profile acts. Well, can I just speak real quick? Mm-hmm. Just part one of that is that once the band absorbs what Brad and I do, they understand how we the 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 ownership of this of course is theirs but we're looking after their files even after we've given them drive after drive after drive somebody's studio burns down guess who they call right yep. the 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 comfort level of this goes off the charts okay mm. so they are they know how serious we take this. Every single artist I've ever recorded, and I know every single artist Brad has recorded. So there's a certain urgency as to the quality and the um, the the protection of these files. Brad? Yeah, I think it should be pointed out we, we don't archive every... We're sensitive. We, it is a sensitive topic because there are people who are more... Um, concerned that they want to keep everything under their control and not have things out there so we don't sure. have like every single show we've ever done but we really try to archive everything that we possibly can and it has happened over and over where people have come back to us for for uh um hey do you have that show from athens this just happened to me actually somebody needed piano stems from a show in athens that was three years ago you know and we have it so and- and and I think people forget about the availability. I like two things that you said. You capture all the multitracks from the whole thing, and you have a great show. And it seems like the day that they tell people that they're setting up cameras and extra lighting and there's going to be people on stage running around with cameras in their face, they play like garbage. And I have an album out there that I had to do for the band, and I had that one show. Because the availability of having a multitrack rig back then wasn't as accessible and easy as it is now mm-hmm. as far as like plug and play it had to be set up with the artist and the management and your multi-track rig was showing up and you, you only had that day to futz with it and that was it that's what you got mm-hmm. so i think what you guys did is bring that availability and it almost take the technology to another level i mean scove we had him on the show and, and i'd love to get into the the virtual sound check aspect of it and how you guys adjust mm-hmm. to that but like you said, being able to go back to the real show where they killed it and use that in the DVD is incredible. Like You know, that's really ugh. a good point, Kyle. Really a good point. So we all go on tour. We get a we get an itinerary. My I keep a top five <laughs> list. So I could do maybe thirty shows, sixty shows with Ozzy. Yeah, I've I've got a top five list. And as the yeah. as the shows as the tour goes along, Yes, something comes along special, Kyle, like you're talking about. Yeah, number four, number five, it gets knocked off the list. At the end of the tour, 
and I do this maybe on a weekly basis. I go into the dressing room with that. guys. I got a, I got my favorite show right here. How did you guys feel about that on stage? Could we make a live record out of that? And some of them say yes. Some of them go, I want you to listen to blah, 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 because the energy with all of us on stage was off the hook. I want you to go back and listen to that, Greg, and tell me, does that get into your top five? So at the end of the tour, when I hand Sharon drives, she gets an itinerary with the drive set and my top five list. Yeah, and that's, that's awesome. That's yeah, funny, perfect. too, because I think, and I've not thought about this much until right now, but when you do it like that, I do the same thing where I have, like, I'll highlight a, fl a flag of show green if I thought it was really, really good. And I'll talk back to the band about it. But another thing that happens is you turn you turn it in from the situ you turn it from the situation where the band is nervous about their performance to a situation where the band is challenged to like really put it on, you know, that I, where it's a different mindset, you know. It's like, oh yeah, we are recording this. We could actually make this really good as opposed to oh we're recording this, <laughs> you know. I'm freaking out. Yeah. We're recording this. You know You have one chance. Tonight's your one shot. <laughs> yeah. No, it's every night. <laughs> And, and people listen. I mean, another thing is like, I know Greg does this too. It's like, you know, the drummer wants to hear, hey, can I just hear my stems, my performance? Like, I, there's this thing I want to work on or whatever. I want to hear how it sounds or whatever that you can, you can hand, you know, you record, we record that stuff in real time. I mean, if drummer wants to hear the drums, it's, you know, here, MP3, you're done, you know, done. Right. You, 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 mean, you, don't, you don't do that if you're recording just a two track. There's one last aspect I want to bring to the table for you guys in the audience, and that the band, you know, they live in a in a box up on stage. They don't, they are not out in the front of house, or they're not out in the audience like we are. And they have, yes, they have a sense of of the intensity, and sometimes some of these shows, the the speciality of what's going on, you could cut it with a knife. They don't. They, they have a hard time sensing that. They sense what they feel on stage playing with each other. But when Tool was on stage in, in L.A. and they went into, you know, their last song, the whole place was, it was just absorbed and immersed in audio that was something that if we didn't have that recorded and all the uh, audience mics that Brad have, Brad and I have spent a lot of time developing uh, room mic recording in this process as well. So yeah. virtual sound check, one thing, yes. This is a whole nother world. It's a whole nother animal to really sink your teeth into. And once you get in it, you're making live records with their with your artist. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah, one thing I was I, definitely going to ask about was was yeah. audience mics. And Brad, I know we talked to you specifically about this from like Florence the Machine because mm -hmm. I noticed pictures where you had audience mics in front of house and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I mean, um, is that maybe something <clears throat> when you guys are offering these packages to people? Um, are you guys, are you, do you ever make, get any kind of conversations, suggestions? Hey, you know, maybe, if you haven't done audience mics before, I really suggest you kind of incorporate that. It's not just about the, you know, the, the virtual sound check and things like that. Or are people just kind of savvy enough on their own? Like, what's, what's maybe conversation? around the, the audience mic side of things yeah i don't i don't recall ever having a specific conversation with an like an an engineer that was using one of our systems about how they were going to do audience miking um maybe i'm forgetting but uh 
we definitely have a couple of our our, our favorites and um both greg and i both love that dpa 5100 for it's a, a really powerful really powerful tool for the price um and it, it's basically a 5.1 mic but if you you just put that thing out in front of house and it just sounds like a really good representation of the, the vibe of, of the house well so he was talking about the dpa 5100 right oh he's back, oh, he's back. Yeah. yeah yeah sort of interesting yeah this so so the that 5100 that 5100 uh dpa 5100 yep. is a really easy mic to throw up in front of the house and give you a really good kind of it's a 5.1 mic it's kind of what it's meant for but it's great at just kind of absorbing the entire ambience of the of the house and and the crowd and which are two different things by the way the ambience and audience miking but that's another long and sore subject <laughs> <laughs> I, another topic, you know, that's sort of related to this, and I won't, I won't say who it was. I was talking to a buddy, and you know, the, they had just done a sound check, and the artist, you know, a lister artist came out to the front of house, and and this person was was a sub. They were sub mixers. It was the first show with this person, and the the artist said, "Hey, you know, can I hear that last bit?" You know, and he was like, "Oh, I didn't hit record. You know, I didn't, I just didn't get to it. Like it's our first day, we didn't have it all set up, uh, and that's not a situation." that I want to be in with an artist or where they are asking me to play back and I didn't have it. Um, you know, we, so there's this priority thing where we're setting up for a gig. I mean, a lot of times the recording is very low on that list for me in terms of other things that I have to make sure are in place. Um, and if I get to it, great. Uh, but it's, you know, I'm not going to prioritize that over, well, tuning the PA or making sure the, the lead vocal mic sounds good or stuff like that. So, um, I think what's interesting about sort of this turnkey, idea the system that you've you've built is that you you sort of take that out of the equation where it's its own thing and i don't have to you know i don't have eight other things running on my computer besides the the multi-track software to try to record it and then flipping back and forth with all the other software i it's i like that it's sort of its own world a little bit that's a really good point michael we try to make it really like you plug it in and turn it on is one or two steps I mean, you still have to make, mm. you still have to command hit command spacebar, but you know <laughs> uh, that it's um, not something you have to get bogged down in, and, and I think a lot of right. people are concerned that that's a thing that's going to happen. Yeah, and it's you know, and then I mean, the other thing is, I've had I've I'm scared now about you know you you get into some weird performance issues when you start running a lot of audio related things on one computer and they're sharing a. A sound card or they're pulling from different device like there's just there's a lot of badness that can happen so i'm always like do i really need to have this running during the show so i like i like that it's kind of its own thing um can you talk a little bit about the gear that you set up and these kind of packages and how the hardware goes together and like what's involved with that greg you want to so just remember we really want to make toasters for everyone so that's a toaster that's plus that's a toaster that's plugged it's an appliance that's plugged into your digico or it's plugged into your mm-hmm. yamaha it's plugged into your allen and heath we don't care what you're using we're really focused michael on making it so painless and so easy and seamless and it sits outside the architecture of the console like you said it's really important yep. here that means then if the engineer is struggling, his SE, his or her SE, or somebody in the group could come by and help launch the Pro Tools session. 
and take it's off your plate. It really is. Mm-hmm. Our original thought was this would be a great way for sound vendors to sort of help the pocketbook of their own system engineers and do a little recording for their front of house guys. But getting back to your question about the equipment, appliance, appliance, appliance. It's got to be so mindless, numbing, easy to do that you're just going to do it. And you're not going to miss, you know, you're in your daily routine, you're not going to miss that little sound check that somebody just did that was really special. But gear-wise, we sort of have gear that's centric from everything from the top, from a Dante uh, system that will record 192 tracks both ways to a simple... um, the the profile is still out in the workflow. Do you notice this? Yeah, maybe one. I was just on one. Yeah, and yeah, there's nothing wrong ago. with it. I I use it on a gig. So the profile is a very easy hookup. That console was built for Pro Tools and to be connected with within the architecture of the console. We have an an enormous array of Maddy recorders. And Maddie, as we know, has ex- access points on almost every single manufacturer. Brad, did I miss anything? No, I mean, I, not at all. That was very good. And I, I think that you know, we're also sort of moving into more Dante implementation. Um, the, the, uh, the point of our point is to cover all the bases. And we, we like... We're very. We keep saying Pro Tools, Pro Tools, and basically the reason is mm. because that's the format that almost every post house is going to want to see. It's not because it's necessarily our favorite, but and and people have their own. But if you're going to hand off files to somebody uh, for post production, almost every time they're going to want it in a Pro Tools format. So we just go. We just go there. We just try to take you there instead of trying to get you from your console into um, Reaper, from Reaper into Pro Tools, or or just handing off Reaper files. And I've had this experience. If you're a post-production house and you get files, a, a file transfer, and it's somebody else's, you know, logic or Reaper files, it's it's a, it's your day. Like the first day, instead of just getting to work, mm-hmm. you're, <clears throat> you know, you're trying to line everything up into a, into a, new, uh, a session. Uh, to do your post on, uh, which is, you know, do you think that, uh, what do you think that pro tools has kind of became the Kleenex or the bandaid of the audio industry where it's just like the thing that you say and people don't necessarily mean that DAW, but they just say there's it. some of that. There's, there's people out there that just say pro tools when it could be, you know, Ableton or whatever, but, uh, and right. especially in broadcast, like they pretty much call everything pro yep. tools. It doesn't really matter. What it is. <laughs> uh, but I, I think, from a post-production house standpoint, almost all the time they're running Pro Tools. Um, not, not 100%, but, but darn close to 100% of the time they're running Pro Tools. And if you can hand them, I mean, I, I just did a show with uh, uh, recorded Cerebralis at the Hollywood Bowl off the console, Pro Tools file. I sent them the Pro Tools session with all the audio and they were off and running, you know? the um, there was no, you know, hours and hours of some poor A2 in the studio trying to, trying to rename and, and 
bring session, bring uh, you know, create a Pro Tools session from a bunch of uh, sort of you know empty wave files or, un, or improperly named wave files. So, but I mean, we're we're not here to raise the flag, we're waving the flag for Pro Tools exactly. It's just what we find is almost sure. all the time. That's what people. I, th- I think we can put it this way, Michael is that we really want to be agnostic to whatever console is of the day, number one. Mm, Because the console is the seamless interaction between recording that takes the pressure off the front of house mixer. So he or she can focus on being an artist and mixing and, and, and providing a show. And there's other people that can facilitate the, just the recording part of it. Right. If the front of house engineer doesn't want to do it. On the other hand, so Diablo Digital, completely agnostic. And you know there's some guys in a garage right now building our next new console. You know this. We want to be ready for them. That's number one. And the next audio format. (laughs) And the next audio format. Now let's talk about audio format. And Brad brought up a really good subject about different DAWs. And let's face it, we want to be the pro solution for people. We want to be that seamless solution for bands and their artists to record at, like he said, at the Hollywood Bowl. And the very next day, it's in LA in Mm post-production. No harm, no foul. Nobody's fumbling with, with, uh, you know, fixing a file so that it can be shipped, all of that stuff. No, we start from there. Now, will we give you a computer that's got Waze Live, Tracks Live, or Uendo? Sure. Yes, we will. Because if we are here to make toasters, and if you want to make <laughs> rye bread with cinnamon and butter on it, by God, we're, pop- we're <laughs> popping that in the machine. We don't care. We want you guys to make records and make more money because there's money in this. Let's face it. Mm. Uh, talk to me about uh, redundancy. You know, if something, what, what's in place for uh, the inevitable hiccup? Um, is there a live to two back? I've, I've often done even a multi-tracking. I'll grab a live to two just off the desk. So there's something in case my computer has a, has a fit. Um, has, is that something you've had to deal with? Yeah, so before sure. Brad answers this, Michael, <laughs> what a great question! No, 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 no! You, don't, don't, don't feed Michael! Don't feed Michael! You know, Michael, it's like I fit on the screen. No, this gets to the heart. I, I'm just thinking about all the things that stress me out when I have to think about recording Absolutely, the show. Absolutely, Michael, going down the list. That's where my questions are. No, coming let's from just Michael. be honest. This gets to the heart of what we're doing and how serious Brad and I about capture and archive. And support mm-hmm. after the fact. Bradley, talk about redundancy. <laughs> I'm all for it. We, we got to go back and reintroduce you, by the way, as Bradley. Just saying. Gregory. Um, so, uh, I, I, so redundancy, I, I'll say, it's sort of situation dependent on how urgent it is to have redundancy. But I, I would say mm-hmm. in any any situation where you can and you can afford it, you should do it. Yes. So in any situation that's not going to be posted to video, it's probably not important that the two redundant machines are synced, which removes a lot of the complexity. 
Mm. Um, and anyway, most of the stuff could be resynced in post if it had to be. But uh, if you're just looking for a backup record, um, I, I think that it, there's a few sort of levels that you approach it. So one thing I did when, when I was with Rush, we had a record machine at front of house, and we had another record machine at, at monitors. I, I, depending on your point of view, one or the other was the backup. <laughs> so, <laughs> no, but he he brings a great he brings a great subject here. That is a native backup of record on a show, isn't it? Right, and it was also a way for the monitor engineer to also do his sort of you know version of virtual sound check, which by the way came in very handy for him on a few occasions. Um. I would say if you're going to do a strictly front of house solution where the monitor engineer was not involved in it for whatever reason, uh, one thing uh, Greg has done on a number of occasions um, uh, on the SXL, for example, uh, SXL records AVB to Pro Tools, pretty easy, but also on the uh, stage racks, there's a MADI out, and we'll take the MADI feeds to. Um, a, a, a Maddie recorder and, and and take that that way and that can function as a backup or even the main depending on sort of where you're at now, and the good new the good thing about that is it the stage racks um you know they're just they're just sitting there spitting out Maddie and the, the front house console could go up and smoke and you would still have your redundant you know backup multi-track record um I think that you you sort of the most likely thing to fail in any one of these scenarios is the actual uh, computer crashing. Um, I'll say that's way less true now than it was five or six mm, years ago. Yep. And uh, we are, we're, we're sending out systems now. Sort of the current thing we really like is the, the Avid Matrix, which will intake Dante and Maddie to Pro Tools. And um, uh, Sonnet makes a thing called the Duo Moto, which has got a Mac Mini in it and a couple three HDX cards in it and four terabyte of M.2 hard drive. It's like a really slick, really powerful system. It We run that thing with 192 channels and we looked at the system usage and the computer is about 2 or 3% total. Wow. <laughs> wow. So it's not doing anything. I, I, my my deepest fear is it just like f wanders off and forgets. <laughs> like, it's not straining at all. Um, that's not you know you don't have to go back far for that not to be the case. But for that to be really really pushing the computer. Uh, so, I mean, nothing's a hundred percent, but we're feeling really really solid about very large track count records live now. Um, so. Not to say backup, you know, redundancy is not important. It is important, but I think it sort of depends on your, you know, I'm going to go record 80 shows on a tour. I think you're going to get them all, probably. Mm -hmm. The chances of you not getting the one that was the best show of the tour are pretty low. Right. So, you know, if budget's a problem, then maybe it's not that big a deal to not take a backup. But always take the two-track. Yep. <laughs> is, oldest is saying your, in the is book, your right? two track separately I mean, like, like a separate unit separate device separate hardware or is it still encompassed within 
you know, the same session. I, uh, I take two track of, and I'm sure, I, Greg, I know Greg, we record stems, we record drum stems, we record keyboard stems, we record bass stems, we record all that stuff. I know I take the two track. I take a mix minus. I, I'm pretty sure Greg does too. Like, we take all of that stuff uh, into Pro Tools, but I do... I don't hate the idea of recording to a USB key or so, or however, you know, uh, um, whatever the, you know, left and right out to something. Um, I like having all the stuff in a, in a, uh, in a pro tool session, but you know, what's, what's the harm in recording to a CD also? Yeah. And to me, the, the portability of that particularly has been helpful because the band wants something the night of the rehearsal, then here you go. Here's your MP3 just came right off. The, you know, yeah, we can get you the drives, but that means I got to launch a software. And like, if you want something right now, that's just one, you know, a, a lot of the times that I have a band asking for it, they're, they're most interested in their performance and yep. how was our background vocals? And did I rush that entrance? And so they want to hear their playing as a practice tool for them. It's a rehearsal tool. So they'd rather have something right there than wait for me to get the tracks and pull them back into the software and mix it down. Like they just, they want to hear yeah. so how I'll they're say, playing. So, so I'll say know, this, grabbing that MP3, there you go. I'll say, I'll say this to that, that I always record left and right to Pro Tools. Like yeah. I always send the left and right out to Pro Tools. And at the end of the night, I can select that, that uh, uh, clip of the left mm -hmm. and the right of the whole night of recording and um i don't know was this command shift k i forget anyway and export it as an mp3 file to wherever you want so then that takes a minute so right. uh, so uh i think that anyway i'm not i'm not throwing shade on the idea of backup recording sure. i mean i think it's you know go for it don't 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 not do it but there's a lot of ways to skin that cat i guess yeah i think also in the world of social media i mean you know, we're talking about um ashton ahead of this i mean so when he was out with disturbed i know for a fact so i knew the videographer who was out with disturbed um adam cook and and he's constantly shooting b-roll shooting footage every night on tour ashton was taking mixes from the multi-track mixing them down giving them to adam so that on their youtube channels or facebook feeds or instagrams or whatever i mean it's not just a self phone you know mm. it's not just a whatever like these are heavy marketing tools for bands to have access to that and the reliability that doesn't have to be on just oh hey that monitor guy happened to plug this into his computer and hit record like oh, it yeah. could be you know a full a full system yeah you know for that stuff yeah that's a really good I, point I, I, too chris yeah. yeah but if we if you do like what brad was saying and you let's say make a drum stem make a bass stem now you're not going into full remix you're you're making mm. a mix you're doing a social media mix like ashton does with four or five faders and it's really yeah. simple to whip that up no problem you can do that in your hotel room on a laptop yeah mm -hmm. don't tell the artist or the management mm. that though. no home it was super difficult <laughs> and it cost money no that's absolutely kyle absolutely really good point <laughs> Well, I mean, you, sh Chris, you should, that should be, you know, a, a little extra money. <laughs> that should, that yeah. should not be included exactly. I mean, that's one of the things we keep yeah. saying. It's like, this is all great. This should, this should bump you up and pay 25 or 30% a week, you know, not like, sure. don't give it away. You know, it's, it is extra yeah. work. But now you First can do time it. on the playground, it's free. And then right. after that, you got to buy it. Yeah. Right. Well, right. Chris, right. I, I, I like what you said about, and I remember... I think it was Pooch who said it to us. Like, 
He's like, I mix for 25,000 people, but 2 million people are going to see the YouTube video. So right. he was like, I have to, I have to think about, you know, and, and he said, you know, and I think Raybold said, you know, Bruno will send him a, a text of a YouTube video and ask about the sound in that. So he goes, that's really hard, but you know, that's, that's important to them. And that's a real thing. So part of, part of what you're talking about, Chris, is sort of like call, not only calling a bluff, but almost getting out in front of it going, Oh, well, you know, we don't have to rely on the cell phone video because yeah, we can do our own social media stuff. Yeah. We don't have to wait a month for the mix to come back. Oh my God. You are, there you it are, is. Get it to the social media guy. You are a preacher to the choir, man. We've been saying this for five <laughs> years. Like, dude, you, wait, I, I got, I, you can have this out in three hours. Cause here's the stems yeah. from yeah. the actual show and you can put it out yeah. there, including the audience. And I don't, I don't know why everybody's click clicking on the YouTube video from somebody's phone. When you could put out on your website a real quality version of the exact same yeah. thing, yep. That is, I, is, it, I don't, I'm not clear what the resistance is to that, but it isn't because there's not the not the assets, and also, by the way, not just the audio assets. There's like ten cameras on the tour too, and you could be recording those also. Mm-hmm. So I want to talk about uh, hard drives. To, yeah. to, are you sending these out with a, just a big, huge drawer full of hard drives? And you just, I, I, okay. So when I was like 14, I worked in a studio. They had the ADAT, the 24 time <laughs> with the drawers. You, you poor and that bastard. was my first experience. <laughs> and to this day in my basement right now, I have bins and bins and bins of hard drives. That's once, once a month, someone will call me and I'll have to go dig something out. So, um, yeah. so tell, tell me about storage. Oh my God. The hard drives, Brad, tell them about the box I built. It, oh my God. <laughs> we built a box with hard drives in them and, we found found out they weren't even a hundred gigabytes wide, <laughs> and then I got them all in a box and I couldn't lift the box. <laughs> yeah, we we, um, we have we we have been trying slowly dragging. Out. We we have a lot of like old eighty gigabyte drives and old. I mean, old. They're like twenty, not fifteen or twenty years old. But you know, yeah. I mean, nowadays I think the, storage. Is once this chip thing gets by us in the in the manufacturing side this m.2 we're brad and i are starting to drop m.2 two terabyte cards in our machines there's mm. actually no drive i mean that's the storage mm. device mm. and i think that's where we're going and so there's there's a couple of technologically there's a couple of things that are really coming our way one of them is beyond the ssd in card storage, that's number one. And we sort of glossed over the network audio when Michael asked about redundancy, but on the network side, oh my God, you could have triple redundancy if you really thought about it and not spend a lot of money and have an amazingly elegant system of triple mm -hmm. triple recordings. Yeah, I mean, I would, yeah, I'd say, so two things we have a we have a couple we have a large RAID array it's a hundred something terabyte RAID array that we that we keep stuff on and we also keep hard drives in a in a a safe um, so that's kind of our but we like we kind of try to keep migrating things towards you know forward <clears throat> I'm not a big fan of of SSD for archive like I like spinning drives because or, you know, there is actually a potential you would actually get something off the drive if you had to. Those SSDs fail. They just, you're, that's it. You'll never see that again. Um, the 
but it's a good idea to archiving is a whole sort of other topic in a way. I mean, it's really a whole way of handling how you hold on to assets for people. Um, you really need two very large storage arrays or a cloud-based solution, which is not a bad idea. Uh, it's expensive if you need it fast, and it's not expensive if you don't care how fast you can get something from it, basically. Have you seen, I mean, so I, I mean, this might be a difficult question, right? Because you have this gigantic variable of like the entire industry grinding to a halt in the middle of this. But <laughs> yeah. since you guys started the Diablo Digital venture, um, you know, has, has what's the demand been like for these rigs going out? Is it is it slowly grown or have you seen, has it been exploding? Like how is it catching on? Are people tr starting to understand the, the um, utility of this? Well, I'd say it, it was exploding. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we go back to and do our book cap keeping you know when it's all said and done mm. in the end and we're just going to sort of chop out about 18 months out of the graph <laughs> um, things have been picking up a lot lately and I mean I'll say like we we try to make this not expensive is the other thing like it's, yeah. it's yeah. probably less than you think Uh where you know we like we like to say we we've, we've come up with like a couple of systems we really like and we really think it'll make your life easier but it's not you know if you're a, if you're on a tour with a couple few trucks it's not going to break break the bank so so speaking of that, I mean, just out of curiosity, so what is this? What is this space like in market share? I mean, short of someone doing this with their own computer uh, or a sound company deciding to kind of build their own rigs, outside of that, do you guys have competition from a multiple rig standpoint, like like what you guys are offering? Well, Music Mix Mobile would be our first, our first, our first competitor, but we're not really in competition with them in the recording of the of the Grammys or Oscars or anything right. like that. So right. we're really trying kind of, I want to say grassroots, right? Mm. We want to give this to the guys that are on a bus pulling the, the gear behind them. Right. With their guys right. and they're building, they're building a new a brand, a new band. <laughs> And now they're in. Hold on, hold on. I want to. I want to. Hold on. I want to highlight that real quick. So for a second, you know, what's what's not. Um, you know, people want to be intimidated to the fact that you know, your Brad Maddox, Greg Price, Ozzy Osbourne, Rush, right? So this doesn't have Bra to Bradley, be. Bradley, you mean Bradley? Bradley, sorry, Bradley. Bradley yeah, Brad now. Yeah. This 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 doesn't have to be like. So we're talking. We're talking van tours. We're talking. You know, pull and trailer behind the bus tours that can this be very affordable and very economical for the up and coming artists that you know. Uh, Billie Eilish, when she was hitting the 300 cap club, should have been multi-tracking every night when she goes to explode. And then you have this rare B-sides for when this artist has exploded, right? I mean, like, is that that's what you're talking about, right? The accessibility yeah, for... Exactly, Chris, exactly. I mean, it, in the beginning, Brad and I had the idea we were going to get a sprinter and take the take the industry by storm. Two guys in a sprinter living in the back and recording everything in sight. I mean, really... <laughs> Really, van life. And I van still life. think, especially what we're seeing that goes on in Nashville and stuff like that, we're seeing a lot of of bands that are not Ozzy Osbourne and Rush. No, mm -hmm. they're yeah. they're going out on weekends and doing shows, but killing it. And some of these mm -hmm. bands sound really good. They have great people mixing them, and now the process continues to grow 
organically within their own group of people. And mm. what better way to – this is a long time coming, I think. Mm. Well, you know what that made me think of? Even here, you know, I live in a tiny town in upstate New York, so there's virtually no music industry happening here. Even the local bands that play here, some cover bands, some originals, they go out and they play and they sound great. You know, sometimes I go mix them. Um, it's always a fun show. And then they'll go, hey, we want to come into the studio and cut four songs. And they'll have to spend a ton of money to come into the studio and cut four songs. Like, if they were just printing those shows, you, right, Michael, they would, you know and, what I mean? And I know Brad's going to jump on this. But both Brad and I have done amazing recordings for a band in the in the arena. But we also took those bands into a small room when they were rehearsing and recorded. And those songs ended up recorded and mixed on our local consoles with the mm -hmm. band. And whammo, it's on the record. The last project right. I did has six songs with a band that hadn't been in the studio together for 40 years. Yeah, and, and you they know, got to in the same room. And when they got into that room, they couldn't get out. They were so thrilled. What were you going to say, Chris? Well, it, you're talking about Black Sabbath, right? Just for the record. That's right. right? Yeah, Those guys. <laughs> just for the context here. No, but Sa yeah. they, they looked at me. They said, Greg, you're out of your mind. We haven't been in the same room. We put Ozzy in there on wedges. I'm not scared. Let's just yeah. go. And... If you don't like it, I get it. We can move on. We'll move you into another room. Let's let's figure it out. They would not leave to the point where a lot of the managers came to me and said, you know, we're not making a record. And I go, oh, yes, we are. Listen, <laughs> listen to this. You know, they would play. They would play a song and they'd come running out of the studio in the, and listen to the playback in, in, on my console. Mm. And it was a yeah. push of a button. Think about the old days. Oh, my God. Remember, I worked at the record plant with having to keep two 3M 24-track machines in alignment. Oh, my God. So what, what console I, was, I remember, what console I was remember that, going to flip, flip the inputs, go all the way down the desk and flip to the no, inputs all the way down. No, those days are yeah. gone. You know, every platform, you hit one button, and now you're in playback. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That quick. Yeah. They couldn't get from the studio to my, to my room quick enough. It was like that. So this is things that happen on the top level. But think about think about what Ashton is doing. But think about guys even a younger generation than him. Mm -hmm. Really smart, really tech savvy, really talented. And now they have tools in their own pockets that they can make really, really good music. Just like that. Yep. And yep. they don't need to spend yep. a lot of money. Well, I mean, that's been the thing to think about, you know, when we, that was, what, Kyle, episode 10 or 11, we had Scoville on the show, it was yeah. years ago, you know, uh, and he was telling us about virtual soundcheck. At that point, the, you know, the, the stuff that was involved in doing that and just the intricacy of it and the, and the, it was, te I'll use the word tedious, you know, compared to, yeah. You know, the kids these days approach where it's Dante Virtual Sound Card and you plug your thing in and you hit record and there it goes. You know? Yeah. I mean, it's it's really amazing. Think, think of this RAID drive. How many terabyte is it? A hundred terabyte? hundred and Do you remember the size of... Do you remember the size of a, a 256 megabyte 
hard drive back when they first came out. Like, Chris, you where's your get floppy a whole disk? Sh- you I couldn't even yeah. get a whole show on one of those. I, 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 Kyle, Kyle, I can beat that. So I can remember buying a, a Macintosh SE computer and and springing eight hundred dollars for the forty megabyte hard drive upgrade. <laughs> Insane. I, I had a Commodore 64. It had 64 colors. Remember that? Yeah, yes. It had a tape drive. You had to put an audio cassette in there to do programming. I mean, the like, hard drive, hard. The thing about like the the RAID arrays now, the large RAID arrays is like you can load this one we have. We we loaded up with 16 six sorry eight 16 terabyte uh, spinning drives. They're a couple insane. hundred bucks each. They're mm. not expensive. Yeah. And you know there it's a raid, so whatever one goes bad, you put another one in. Um, you know it's not that from that aspect, storage is cheap. Storage is cheap. That is not the hurdle. The hurdle mm-hmm. is interface, and interface right. is getting better and better and better. And um, the thing that's nice about it now is that we, for us, I mean, we're just we're just trying to get every, we're evangelizing here. Like, and it's and it's not all about us making a buck. It's like you guys need to record everything. Yeah, just record everything because and I mean a lot of it will never see the light of day. But you never know. There's gonna be that one or two things that are gold. And if you didn't record, I mean, you ask Scoville because he's got a story about this. It's really he's got a, an amazing a story, an amazing. And, and, but if you're if you're not tracking it, you're you're blowing it i mean it's gone forever you know and uh it's so weird it's so weird how everything in live audio when we started making digital consoles we wanted to reinvent the wheel from any kind of technology that was there before that was making it okay to get stuff done and now it's like you said which i totally agree with we're almost standardizing what they do in the studio to what we Mm. do in a live setting and i think that's huge and it took how long for them to figure that out mm-hmm. it was like everyone had their own protocol everyone had their own workflow and and i i, I think you guys should make a um a commercial for your company we, we just and you did guys the are last like, hour but we'll make a little bumper for it and you guys will be the maytag men and only only the old people will understand it but you guys will be sitting there waiting for tech phone calls because you guys figured out <laughs> Brad, uh, you don't have to. Are yeah, you yeah, hearing what Kyle's saying? This yeah. is super. I'm really looking I can the more, see the. More tech I can see the two of us with blue, blue overalls yeah. on, and it says Diablo yeah, Digital. Waiting for the phone. Oh my God, Kyle! So can I? Can I, I just I, say? Can I just uh, circle? Oh, I, just, I just want to circle back to one, one thing. It's about the. Uh, about the mindset and it's not like we mm. keep talking about i know the implications digital has made this really easy we can record to pro tools you should always be recording and my point of view if the artist is in the building you should be recording basically without too much of an exaggeration but it, back when it was analog and in the studio days if you were a smart engineer whether or not you were rolling the multi-track there was a two-track running all the time because yep. it always happened that. that didn't you know you hadn't reached over and and started the multi-track for the downbeat somebody played something in the background and somebody went that's it and if you're not doing that at least that then you're you're missing those moments i mean you're missing those things and there's a lot i mean Kyle, do a, you remember when to- we did uh webster <laughs> and that was one of the stories for the sunday morning story time is is that i don't remember who 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 told it but 
they didn't have the re- they didn't have it recording at the time, and I guess the artist said, "I thought this was a recording studio, not in a racing studio." Yeah. <laughs> <That was the point>. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's true though. Like the two track was always running. Like the 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 dude there was that young kid in the studio who, whose job was to sit there and wait for that tape to run out so he could hurry up and put yeah, another right. one on real quick right and keep that thing going and it's it's perpetual like especially on tour because people get in crazy mindsets just because the road will drive you nuts but someone will get up on stage and start jamming a song that isn't even their thing and you got you got it mm-hmm. like you said people walking out on stage and playing maybe they're the on in the opening band but they walk up and sing a song with your guys like mm-hmm. you got it mm-hmm. like yeah it's 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 so cool and it's so easy now mm-hmm. you guys are doing a a, a killer thing mm-hmm. i I think Michael's uh, explanation of the outline of the show on how it was going to go, we got about two subjects in, <laughs> and then we have about 10 subsubjects and more subjects that we should cover with you guys. I, well, it's just, it, this is something that, I mean, we were, what, 118 episodes into this, but we have never talked about recording. Um, no, we haven't. And, you know, and actually, Chris, the Disturbed example is a great one, because I have one of their concert DVDs, and I guess... I guess there's a bit where one of the band members from Pantera came up on stage and was was playing the drums with Disturbed's drummer, and there's footage of Disturbed's drummer going like, "Did you guys see that? He was playing drums with me." And so like the, he's gonna ask for that, you know? Like good thing yeah. he got that on on tape and it made it into the movie. Um, Chris, well, I know you actually, had some other stuff you want to well, talk about too. Speaking of Disturbed, so it's interesting. So Dan Donegan, he's a guitar player from Disturbed. Yeah. He was actually multi-tracking the show when I was on tour with him with them back in like. Uh, I don't know, like, oh, six, maybe something like that range. Uh, it's funny. He had his own personal uh, Pro Tools rig set up, mm. up, up upstage by his guitar rig. And because it was, again, kind of pre virtual sound check, it was pre, you know, Diablo Digital and things like that. And like, he just took it upon himself. It was like, hey, he saw the value in the posterity. And even if, it, mm. you know, um, and he was manning at himself as the as the artist. And that's, he was disturbed. It's freaking A level <laughs> shit. And he's manning at himself. Anyway. Um, <clears throat> No, so um, you know, I I wanted to maybe ask a question outside of recording. Um, Not allowed. And- <laughs> recording only. No, I'm um, and this is like maybe for Brad and Greg, and you know, um, from a mixing standpoint, right? You guys have been mixing for a long time now, um, but we're in an industry um, of, of of never stop learning and, and trying new things. So I'm very curious from a mixing standpoint. What's maybe the most recent or more recent, um, and maybe pre-COVID, you know, depending on what's been going on, um, what's like a, a, a mixing trick or an aha or a change of a workflow that's really been something, maybe a game changer for you or a complete total overwork? Like what's a what's something, you know, again, it's like I've been doing this freaking for 30, 40 years and all of a sudden now I'm doing this and, and it's changed how I do something. I don't know, something like that. You'll go first, Greg? Sure. I mean, for me, I, I find an, I, I found a new thing today at rehearsal. You know, we're, we're in pre-production. I've got the mix up. I got all the guys from the sound company with me and we're, we're running the mixes through the PAs that we're, you know, the speakers we're going to use on tour and the side fills. And I'm listening to it and I'm going, you know, I need something different. And Ashton comes over and he shows me this one plugin. It, it's like that. The level hmm. of collaboration now, and I do this with Brad all the time. For me, I've always wanted to collaborate. 
But now we have so many tools, so many different plugins. You, you know, you could spend the rest of your life just trying to get through all of them, right? Well, now uh -huh. in collaboration, it's right there in front of us. So Brad and I worked on a record and we actually used the collaboration component in Pro Tools. And I've never had so much fun in my yeah, life. It was awesome. We, st <laughs> we started out with the drums and then we worked on the... So this is him and I working. You could work on the, on the session simultaneously. He was seeing me do drop things in on the bass and he's going, oh, what's that? Oh my God, look at that and listen to that. So for me, Chris, the new era of collaboration and sharing and, and really... You know, because, look, a great bass sound, it's not going to work everywhere. But when you bring it out on the table and we're all looking at it and going, yeah, I like that, but what if we did this to it? You know, the five of mm -hmm. us right now could do something like that, and I know we would come up with something that would be really amazing. And every <laughs> person here, Kyle, Michael, you, Chris, Brad, would have a contribution to that plug-in or that sound. Mm -hmm. So for me, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so I, I think Greg's, made a good point i think like especially live engineers and i know i'm guilty of this it's easy to be uh sort of threatened by input you know or threatened by uh you know the uh the you know your job's on the line and somebody says oh i, I just want to hear more vocal or whatever but i really enjoy working like greg and i do this all the time where we'll take each other's shows and and like put them up on the desk and sort of rework them from our own our own point of view like a um, it's happened a couple of times recently where I've had a, a, a Greg show up on the desk and just sort of poked around and see what he's doing. And um, not long ago, Greg, Greg put uh, um, basically a mastering compressor on the bass, like a peak limiter on the bass. So it's really, really a plug-in meant for mastering. But it, I, it was like, oh my god, it sounds, it sounds amazing on the bass. Like I would never would have even thought of it. Somehow Greg thought of it or stumbled on it or whatever. And and uh, looking through looking through his sessions and like listening to the things he's done, um, I think people should just do more of that. I, I don't think if you ask an engineer, you know, hey, what what do you do for you know a specific thing? Or I, I really like the way that sounds. Can you show me what you're doing? I, I think most people would tell you. But I yeah. don't think we do enough of that. I know we're always getting on the internet. Well, and, I, I and think the flip side is but... to to ask too, like yeah. you know, to, sure. to say, hey, you know, uh, uh, you know, is anything poking you? What are you What are you hearing? Um, you know, Jason Moore, uh, who front house for Train, said a long time ago. I think he said on the show too, like if you're his system tech, you know, he says, if you're hearing something, I want you to tell me. He goes, I might be listening to snare drum for three songs. I'm working on right. that. So right. like, you know, right. it's, you can get too close to something and then someone else will walk in and go, you know, your snare bottom seven dB too low. And you're like, yeah, it is. You're right. You know, cause you sure. kind of, you don't hear those things. And sure. you know, one of my favorite, one of my favorite kind of experiences that I've had in pro audio, and I'm almost not even going to call it pro audio cause I was so young and I, I wasn't even pro, but I was mixing this festival. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah. mixing this festival, and I was doing all the local bands, and you know, and then there's like a couple headliners at the end of the night that that have their own. Per so, so the headliners, sound engineers, kind of walking around, just kind of watching me do my thing. So we're chatting a little bit, and then we're kind of looking at the stage, and I go, 
I feel like I'm over compressing my bass. And he goes, yeah, you are. And then he just leans in and he starts EQing it for me. And I was like, he already heard that. And he arrived at that conclusion and he was just waiting for me to ask. And then he jumped in and he taught me a bunch of stuff. So, so mm-hmm. like opening that door, like, Hey, what are you hearing? Like, that's a cool thing. You know, I, I love sending my mixes. To that's people, really, so. really good point, Michael. Let me, before Chris, go ahead, go for it, go for it, go for it. When I'm in the moment, I, I get over, I overlook the perspective sometimes. And I do get buried in a single input, like Michael's story about the snare. But when you have somebody that you really trust and you really like to work with, you know, that person, and in this case it's Brad, he he can stand behind me and he goes, you know, have you thought about this? Or he just Mm. would change the fader. I mean, two or three dB, and the whole (laughs) thing just goes, opens up. So yeah, you can be in the moment, Michael, what you're saying, and lose your your wide perspective of of way way it's supposed to mm-hmm. be and it's I think this collaboration thing is huge. Chris, what were you going to say? Um no, I know we're we're running against the clock, but what I for for the record for maybe younger people who are listening, right? You guys are now have a perspective of of collaboration and taking feedback was there a point where your ego did drive you for a period and and when did that barrier let when 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 did that <laughs> was there a moment or was there a thing that that shut that barrier down and, and opened that up yeah i mean for sure i went through i'd say probably half my career being really having a problem with criticism and um uh, and that's ego driven um and and a matter of sort of in, insecurity and, and working my way up in the ranks and and you know trying to take a stand I'll say this if you're gonna stand in the middle of a of a stadium with 65,000 people you gotta have a little bit of ego like you can't be a fragile <laughs> person but but you also at some fragile. point need to find you know understand you do know what you're doing but also what greg talked about like you know you get you get sucked into the compression on the hi-hat and or you know and you know you lose sight of the fact that no one can hear the lead singer i mean it happens it happens i i will confess i I turned knobs on an EQ for three minutes before I realized the EQ was even <laughs> in. It happens. The brain. Are you, are you, you even pro audio if you haven't done that before? I'm just right. saying, like, right. And so, I mean, I don't know. It takes some level of of confidence to be able to take criticism. Sure. You know, and I think when you're early on in your career, just generally speaking, we're not all the same. But I think early on in sure. your career, it's probably a little harder. You know, when you're you're faking it till you make it, sort yeah. of. And, uh, you know, I don't think there was a specific incident. I will say this, be, and uh, this is not an ad, but being able to record and sit in a room and play and mm-hmm. with the actual artist and have a conversation about how it sounds, as opposed to a criticism of the mix that you handed him on a CD, is really, really a big difference. I mean, that, mm-hmm. that to be able to just say, hey, what... I mean, I've had it where, like, I've just told the artist, just, here, here's the fader. Do Put it where you think it should be instead of us having an argument about it. Can I just jump in on that thought? Because this is huge. And we talked about social media, right? We yeah. talked about how easy it is to criticize. 
But when you do what Brad just said, you're with your group. I don't care mm. if you're in a bus or you're in an arena, but you're with the guys in the band. You collectively are working on the craft. There isn't one social critic that can puncture that. Right. Because the band and the engineers all got together and this is what they presented. This is their dream. Yes, you can criticize it on social media, but this is what this is our our view our vision. And we did it collectively and I think that trumps the power of criticism. It also trumps the power of being how would you put this not you don't have the confidence. Right. You don't feel like you have the goods to create. Well, some of that comes off when we're all creating together. Mm. And now the power of that to total creation is so much bigger than a single person. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I really uh, appreciate that perspective. Um, so hard-hitting question, Brad and Greg, what's the coolest thing you have within arm's reach? A little ritual we have here <laughs> on the show. Uh <laughs> The coolest I saw a baseball thing. Earlier. Yeah, you saw a baseball. I got so. a baseball. That's pretty cool. I have my, <laughs> I have my pocket around. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah. And then uh, you got, my, my bourbon is empty. Oh, there you go too. Ah, oh, show's over. Gosh, I don't, I don't have anything. <laughs> <laughs> Greg's in a hotel. Come on. <laughs> I'm in a hotel. I'm in prison. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like a free notepad or something. Um, all right, uh, uh, Chris, you gotta. Yeah, I we, we so for the record, Brad and Greg, we've been doing this now since the beginning of January, um, uh, beginning of the year rather. Uh, and, you know, cost artists so running out of things. So I was down my down in my bar at the basement, trying to like, ah, oh, you know, what can I? So I grabbed a bottle of absinthe. Um, oh wow! Uh, oh. Now the it, it, the kind of cool thing about this thing is, um, I it's not open. Was it's not open? That's true. Um, in <laughs> I, I, I got this on tour um, when I was in Australia. Um, back when it was technically illegal to have absinthe in the states, because yeah. um, it still has like it has like the wormwood in it and everything, right. um, yeah. and uh, like this is from like the Czech Republic or something like that. Um, anyway, so we a bunch of us when we were in Australia had a runner go out and get us a bunch of absinthe. We put it in a road case and had it you know come back on the seat containers back to IMS. I mean uh, MSI, um, and um, and so my my wife has always been afraid because she's always like heard all the stories of like hallucinating. So we've never cracked this yet. This thing probably i probably bought this thing in like 2007 or something like that and it's just been sitting on, on my bar but yeah that's amazing oh, you know chris oh. there's a there's a whole ritual to do. oh yeah with the sugar cube and the yeah. spoon and the flame. oh yeah. yeah 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 kyle and what do you got buddy? um i'm pretty proud of it um i got this new hat hey from your gig. For, yeah uh, yeah absolutely yes i started yes. i started a new job this week it's actually a new job title i've never had before i'm the audio operations manager at gateway studios and production services here in beautiful st louis missouri nice um i am taking this challenge on and i am really enjoying That's myself awesome, so dude. far congratulations awesome. Good. nice yeah. i've got in in keeping with tonight's theme i actually didn't plan this it just happened this way this is a um, I had a I had a laptop die on me, and the laptop tech said, "Well, you should keep the SSD because it's it's fine because um, the motherboard was what was bad." So I put it in an enclosure, and I can plug this into my consoles, which can record to USB, and they think it's a big key drive, 
and it just rips for and even you know like the uh the sq5 that i have can multi-track right off the usb port right off mm-hmm. right straight up wave files to the to the drive and it's awesome so this goes nice. in my kit now and i'm grabbing uh i'm grabbing my my recordings right right there just pretty really awesome. nice. the pc took it down wait man all right, so um, so Greg, you've had a chance to answer this. So I'm gonna go Brad first, and then um, Greg, you've answered this on how we got loud, but I'll, I'll give Brad a, a chance to answer this. So Brad, if you could define your legacy or how you'd want to be known, how would you define it? <laughs> I... <laughs> uh, well, I mean, in, you mean professionally, I because I, yeah, I just oh, want whatever, yeah, yeah. I want to be remembered as a halfway decent mixologist, really. But um, I think I just I want. I feel like I had a good career. I mean, I, hopefully I get another several good years out of it. And I just kind of want to be able to pass knowledge along and experience along to people. And just, I, I think I don't want to be someone that is, um, I want to be someone that I want to be remembered as somebody people could ask questions to. And, and, uh, mm. you know, just, it was open to, uh, you know, passing along the things i've learned and all the mistakes i've made <laughs> that's awesome I, we, we're we're big fans of paint it forward here in the second noise podcast so that's that's always yeah, good and, and it goes hand in hand with the collaboration thing too yeah it's absolutely like when when i was a younger gentleman just being the house guy at a venue like i felt that the strain of not being able to learn from the people that were coming in because it was a thing like if you were a sound guy you were kind of pompous and it was hard to talk to and it was hard to get information from and there and there was secrets mm. like everyone had their little secret trick that they used to do mm. and i didn't even get to mention it now but greg actually taught me a secret trick i don't even know if he remembers he came out uh, when i was working for midas and he taught me good cop bad cop groups yeah yeah and and that was something that i was like holy shit and i used it a bunch of times because yeah um I you've, wanted to you've try talked it out about that like, trick before, Kyle. I remember you mentioned yeah. that. Yeah. So, I do. Chris, that's my legacy. Good cop, bad cop. We're going to have to do a part two, yeah, guys. You know, we, did, we, we didn't get to half of yeah. Michael's outline of things I know, that but, we need to talk about. Uh, it was a great conversation, and and I, I, you know, it's it's definitely something that's got me more excited about it now, and and I know that a lot of our listeners are going to be feeling the same way. So, we definitely great. do want to invite everyone. Uh, Chris, maybe put a link in the description, DiaboloDigital.com. Um, Honored to have you yeah, guys both on the it's show. Been, it's been great cow. to chat with you guys. Oh, we love Welcome it. back to the stages, yeah. too. Yep. Yeah, we're working again. Thanks, fellas. Holy cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs>